if my father was as rich as, you know, if my mother was, yeah, you know, and then you focus more, not bothering to find out why they are where they are at and how they are where they are at and how they arrived where they arrived. You know, today I'm determined that I'll tell you some of my growing up stories because I feel like you're wondering where did I grow up, who did I grow up with, you know. Yeah, because, you know, in, in, in primary school and in high school, there was my, my sister had one of her friends. This time it wasn't my friend, it was my uh, sister's friend. But the whole family just seemed to, you know, you know, we even have two weeks holiday. They have traveled somewhere. I mean, you can understand if it's a long term, six weeks, they, they, they have gone somewhere. They, they have just, hey, why the money doesn't grow on trees, you know? Till one fine day, you know, we saw their father's picture in the newspaper. We said, oh, 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 you know? And my mother decided to open the page clearly, you know, and put it visibly in the presence of everybody, you know? And she was like, and we were very sad. We were like, oh, so what are they going to do? What is... And then she was like, ah, you people, did you chop some of the money? <laughs> you know, but you have to value what you have. Do you understand? You have to appreciate what you have. You have to appreciate what God has blessed you with, the parents that God has blessed you with, the church that God has blessed you with, the pastor that God, you have to appreciate it and you have to maximize whatever is there for you. Amen. Yes, whatever is there for you, you have to maximize. I want us to read a little scripture, which is about 200 verses, and then we will write a few points. Hey, what passage in the Bible has 200 verses? Let's start. You see that. Because for some of you, reading four verses is like reading 50. So if we read eight, that's 100. If we read 16, we have reached 200. And then we'll look at a few things that it means when it says believe in your pastor. Amen. Yes, yes, yes. I keep telling you that anything that is abused does not mean that it should be totally thrown away. Do you understand? Your wisdom is to apply it correctly rather than miss out in the value in it. Do, do, do you get what I'm saying? Yes, yes, yes. Do you know that there are people who abuse paracetamol? Does it mean that when you have headache or you're not feeling, you shouldn't take paracetamol? No. It means that you have to use that medication properly. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? It doesn't mean that you should not use it. Yeah. So the fact that there may be all kinds of weird, you know, prophets, pastors, whatever, does not mean it negates the value of your pastor. Amen? Am I preaching? Good. So we are going to start our 200 phrases from verse 1 of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse number 1. And I think we'll see two kinds of people and how they related with their man of God. Verse 1, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha, were traveling from Gilgal. 
Yeah. Would you like to know how you'll be taken out of this earth? Okay. Just leave that alone. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and, your, and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. The group of prophets from Bethel came to Elijah and asked him, came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course, I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. How you relate with your pastor can generate envy and can generate all kinds of opinions. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Even how, some of you, even through growing up, people gave you bad advice and you started relating with your parents wrongly. It's not everything they say that you have to obey. You know these people, they are old people, they don't know everything. They don't know what is currently going on. They are saying things from the 21st century which doesn't apply anymore. And sometimes you have to tell them, be quiet. Hmm. I feel like somebody needs to send a text now and say, hey, Ross, you are, today, Ross has been on my mind for such a long time. <laughs> okay, I will. <laughs> you will explain after service. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, I went to Bethel with you. It's not Jericho that I'm going to stop. As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. Then the group of prophets from Jericho. So the group of prophets from Bethel, they came. The group of, uh, so every stage of your Christian work, there will always be those who would like to even separate you. They would always, they are there. They wait for you. They wait for you. And they don't just wait for you. They wait for you at the right time. Because when they got there, they were there for a while. But as soon as they found out that, hey, there's going to be another lift. They are going to Jericho. Then they appear. Hmm. Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away today? Of course I know, Elijah answered. But be quiet about it. I just can see Elisha's attitude towards them. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. Tell somebody that your relationship with your pastor is a journey. It's a journey, yeah. It's not for a moment. Fifty men from the group of prophets also went but for a different reason, and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided, and the two of them went across on dry land. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. And Elisha replied, please, let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. 
you have asked a difficult thing, Elisha replied. If you see me when I'm taking from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them, and Elisha was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, my father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers. Did you know they were charioteers? Hmm. Of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. Then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Then the river, even after death, Elisha still acknowledged his father. Then the river divided, and Elisha went across. He followed him to the very end. But when he got to 15, we see another group of people who are about to start something. He said, when the group of prophets from Jericho saw from a distance what had happened, they exclaimed, Elijah's spirit rest upon Elisha, and they went to meet Elisha and bowed to the ground before him. Said, they said, just say the word, and 50 of our strongest men will search the wilderness for your master. Perhaps the spirit of the Lord has left him on some mountain or in some valley. <laughs> no, Elisha said, don't send them. But they kept urging him until they shamed him into agreeing. And he finally said, all right, send them. So 50 men searched for three days, but did not find Elijah. Elisha was still at Jericho when they returned. Didn't I tell you not to go? He asked them. Here ends the 200 verses. Thanks be. Yeah. So you realize that even when the prophets realized that the spirit, the power, the grace, anointing was on Elisha, still, they couldn't receive him as such. They couldn't relate with him as such. They, they have acknowledged. You see, sometimes you can be in the house of God, acknowledge that, yeah, that's my pastor. But I don't value the grace that's upon his life. It doesn't mean much to me. Let me give you a few things of what it means to believe in your pastor. How many of you are happy that I'm talking about it? I think that sometimes it is necessary. It is important. The Bible says we should give honor to whom honor is due. You know, the Bible really teaches us that even those who are our secular governors, authority, we must give to them that which is due them. It is very important as a Christian, you know, to place value on the things that you want to become a blessing to you. You place value on your children, they'll become a blessing to you. You place value on your siblings, they'll become a blessing to you. You place value on the word of God, it will become a blessing to you. You place value on your life, you will protect your life, it will become a blessing to you. Do you, do you understand? Yeah. Place value. Today I was interviewing a lady, very nice lady, you know, really. I mean, she still didn't get a job because she said one sentence that just, just she, she was so amazing. And then just as we were about to finish, she was like, I said, why do you want to leave your old job? 
And she said, because it involves a bit of traveling. I mean, they're about to cause her to start traveling a bit to London, I think, which is about two hours away. And then I told her that, okay, you are coming into a place where it will involve a bit of traveling. So, you know. But as she was, she just, I mean, she was just fantastic, you know, extremely learned. I mean, she literally, if they were giving marks, she probably would have got 98. Then I just asked her that outside of work environment and looking at buildings and dealing with figures all day, what do you like to do? Then she was like, oh, my husband and I, we write gospel songs and we go to places and we sing. You know, like we minister in places in church, and sometimes we spend time in the studio with my son, and we produce music and things. And then, yeah, we go to churches, and you know. And then she goes, "I'm sorry if you are not religious." Oh, my pastoral cap came on immediately. <laughs> no, my pastoral cap. Before I told her who I was, what I do, I said that never ever apologize for being a Christian. I said, never, ever do that again. Then I said, I am a pastor. <laughs> My husband and I pastor. And then she was like, I said, yes. I said, don't do that. I said, if somebody came and was told, asked that question, they said, oh, I'm a football fanatic. They're not going to apologize. Or they say that, oh, I'm a pub crawler. I move from pub to pub. They're not going to apologize. Yeah. In fact, even in the century, some people can say absolutely ridiculous things and still not apologize. Yeah. They can even look at the person and say, oh, well, one of the things I really engage in is um, I like socializing with the opposite sex. And don't say I'm sorry. And you say that you're a Christian and say I'm sorry if you're not religious. No, she, that was, she didn't get the job because she said she won't travel. But after she said, actually, I don't mind a bit of traveling. <laughs> she said, she, I, I don't mind a bit of traveling. I mean, yeah, yeah, the occasional travel. I said, yeah, but we, we don't know whether it will be occasional or consistent. I'm, I'm sorry. It, it was, I was, I, was, I was very sad. So after I was having a discussion with others and I was like, I don't know, I feel like we should still give her a chance, you know. And their point was that even though where she is, they haven't even made her start traveling. They just informed her that <laughs> there might be traveling coming in at some point, and she's already looking for a job. And here, when she comes, her first week of induction is to travel. So I, my heart is broken. Yeah, my heart is Kian was like, ah, this woman is a serious Christian. Give her the job. I said, she, she, she should have just shut up. Even if she doesn't like traveling, she, should, she, she, she shouldn't have said it. Yeah, she shouldn't have said it at all, but she, she, but she said it. Believing your pastor means to trust your pastor. I want to run through them so that we can finish. It means to trust your pastor. It also means your pastor should be able to trust you. Do you know that trust goes both ways? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust goes both ways. A husband must be able to trust a wife. A wife must be able to trust a husband. A child must be able to trust their parents. The parents must be able to trust their child. If your child says, I'm doing my assignment, you understand? That trust should be there. But if you go to their room and they are not doing their assignment, trust is broken. 
Now when they are doing the assignment, you say, come and sit on the dining table. Let me see you, the book, the paper, and the pen. And that is the same. You understand? You must have trust, and your pastor must also have trust that when you say, Pastor, I really appreciate the word was powerful, he must be able to believe that what you are saying is true. <laughs> because it's not always what you are saying that is true. Oh? Yeah. Number three, you must place value on your pastor. You must place value. You must place value. I've realized that all the spiritual fathers God has given me or brought my way, the ones that I chose to embrace have been a blessing to me. Yeah. Have been an absolute blessing to me. Even when they are far away, they still guide. I almost literally know in a situation that if they were the ones in this situation, this is what they would have done. And I'm almost always not wrong. And it's always led to a good place. Yes. It's always led to a good place. David gave his son good counsel, some of which he himself didn't take. But nevertheless, he gave to his son. Yeah. Solomon, all the ones he used were a blessing to him. But by the time he got to the book of Ecclesiastes, you can see that he wasn't following all. He had become a broken wise man. That, you see, that's why in Ecclesiastes he begins to talk all his vanity, all his vanity. All his, <laughs> all his vanity because he went beyond what had been instructed him. Yeah. Why? I mean, we thought your father liked women. Then you came to show us that my father was a small boy. And you had seen that because of women, women, your father was not even allowed to build the temple. Yeah. Then you, you go and then you just go. And then the women anointed you to serve their gods. Now you are telling us that all is vanity. <laughs> to the acquiring of knowledge, there's no end. <laughs> what do you mean by to the acquiring of knowledge, there's no end? It is what you use the knowledge for. Hmm. Love your pastor. Love your pastor. Yes. Love your pastor. You see, you will know whether you are benefiting fully from anything by the extent to which you are invested in that. Some of you, you the people that are around you, they are not planning to marry you. By their level of investment of time, invest, you should know. Saying I love you does not mean you are invested in me. Love is not just a word. It's an action. I feel like I'm preaching. Yeah, Reverend, I feel like I'm preaching. Because sometimes I have to give you an example that you can relate. When I say love your pastor, you think of some spiritual, you know, it's like some, you know, yeah. No, 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 no. The way you would know and be able to appreciate and know that this person actually loves you. What would you sacrifice? What extent would you go? Some of you, they haven't even married you. They're already tired. Yeah. Would you be able to go with me to the city center? Hey, all the way to the city center. I'll take you halfway. Hey. It's a sign. It is a sign. If they can't walk with you to the city center now, trust me, they won't babysit any child that you, you have with them. Hmm. They'll become people.
people who don't do under two. Anna, <laughs> your pastor. Bless your pastor. Faithful to his teaching, his direction, and his leading. Bless your pastor. Be faithful. Do you know that if you have any form of relationship and there is not a high level of trust and faithfulness in it, that relationship cannot last. That relationship, the last couple of weeks, you know, I've had to stand on my faith in God just to be able to stable. Because sometimes there are some losses when they come your way, you're like, why? The reason why sometimes people backslide, maybe they pray and the Lord does not heal their parent, or does not, is because of their level of faith. And when it's tested, you know whether you are faithful or not. First hmm. Corinthians 11, the Bible says in verse 1 and 2, in the Amplified, pattern yourself after me. Follow my example as I imitate and follow Christ. And that is a very crucial thing in your relationship with your pastor, your shepherd. The important thing is that they are not leading you astray. So Paul said that, listen, your following me is dependent on my following Christ. I go off you, I start coming and I quote something that you yourself, you know, is not in the Bible. You shouldn't say that because Reverend has said it is powerful. No, no, no. It's subject to my obedience to the Lord. That is how people are falling astray. They love Chalak, they don't love a man. It's true. It's true. And that is why you as a Christian, you see, those who have good relationships with a pastor, they are actually deep. They are spiritual. If you are not spiritual, you cannot have that kind of relationship. You will either end up having a carnal relationship and say, oh, I love my pastor. And you want to go and sleep with your pastor. Sorry, sorry. I've stopped. I've been so good lately. It's true. It's true. You guys, you're being helpful, you're being helpful, you're being available, assistant, assistant. But it's coming from a very fleshy and carnal place. Yes. You have to be spiritual to be able to be faithful, to be able to value, to be able to even honor. Because you see, honoring your pastor, it has to come from a place of appreciation. Somebody say mercy. The verse 2 says, I appreciate and commend you because you always remember me in everything and keep firm possession of the traditions, the substance of my instructions, just as I have passed them to you. Amen. He says that I appreciate and commend you. Why? Because you remember me in everything. How many of us even spend time to pray for our pastor? How many of us spend time? But we always, pastor, pray for me. Pastor, I have an interview. Prayer, please. Pastor, I'm going to, pastor, I'm scared. Pastor, I had a bad dream. Pray for me. Pastor, I, uh, pastor what does the snake mean? And what does the snail mean? What does the ant mean? What does the insect mean? What? Yeah, pastor, I brought my oil. 
You just use them and use them. He says that, but because you appreciate, you appreciate in everything and keep firm the traditions, the teachings. Have you seen that in some way? Somewhere. Somewhere. And that is why there's a level of prosperity you cannot achieve. Because remember that if you are going to prosper in something, it means there is already something there that is going to grow. Air doesn't prosper. <laughs> Empty doesn't prosper. Something has to prosper. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You spend time to pray for your pastor. You will prosper. You, pray, you spend time to take care, help, obey his instruction, you will prosper. Because if his counsel is valued and you walk in that counsel, it will cause you to prosper. The next one is that your advancement in life, in ministry, in relationships is tied to him or her. It's true. It's true. I don't think a week goes by that Reverend and I, we don't have some level of discussion on our spiritual parents. And sometimes we do something and we are like, this is definitely a blessing that descended on us, that came on us. Whether you like it or not. Your father will put things in place for you so that life will be easier for you. So that life will be better for you. Even if you are a Samoa child. True or false? Even the, the supposed lousiest parent. Do you know that you can have a poor parent, but who can give you advice to get rich? Ah, you don't know. You don't know. You see, sometimes we are eager to just find people that we think have done well. So if they tell us something, that will be the good one. Sometimes because of their mistakes, they can even give you good counsel. You should be able to receive in the same faith and with the right attitude, encouragement, rebuke, advice. When they're encouraging you, I receive it, Pastor. Thank you for acknowledging. Thank you. When they're yeah, but when rebuke comes, why did he talk to me like that? Who does he think he is? Does he think he's my father? Did he, you know? You have to be able to receive encouragement. Advice, rebuke, with that same faith and the right attitude. The faith with which you receive the blessing and the declaration hmm, is the same faith that you should receive the rebuke. Your face should not become contorted because you are being told that what you are doing is wrong. If your pastor cannot tell you that what you are doing is wrong, you don't have a pastor. You have a friend. You do not have a pastor. If your pastor cannot tell you that, and it's a foul spirit to have that attitude of which you cannot be told that something is wrong. If it's a scary place to be. Yeah. When you get to the place where you cannot be told that this is wrong, you are in a bad situation. Yeah. The Bible says that in the multitude of counsel, there is safety. It says that by good counsel, wage war. 
you want to win your battles in this life, get good counsel. And that is why your source of counsel must be something you trust. Some of us, we get our counsel from internet. If you use this, your face will be good. If you use this, your hair will be fine. If you do this, your skin will be nice. If you use this, haven't you used some of them? You see that it spoils your skin. <laughs> be consistent in public and in private. Sometimes when I sit in an, sometimes people don't know I'm a pastor, so I may go somewhere, you know. I don't know, it could be a family gathering, it could be whatever. And then you find Christians insulting their pastor. And sometimes I may not know the pastor, but I'm praying for him. So, oh, man of God. Here lieth your coffin. And meanwhile, they have titles in the church. They have titles in the church as they've come. Yeah, I don't even know. Every time then he's saying that. Yeah, the other time he was even saying that we, yeah, hey, if the pastor were to appear there right now, Reverend, do you want a drink? Oh, we're going to do special food for you. You want chicken fried rice? Yes. Be consistent. You want to prosper. We are talking about believing to prosper. Because you see, in the private, nobody would know necessarily, but you do. You know that what this your outward accolades, they don't mean anything. That's why for those of you who are pastors, ministers, don't also get excited. Oh, your word was powerful. You are such an amazing preacher. Please don't let it excite you. I mean, did David really, really, really kill thousands? Hey, did David really, really did he Saul has killed David. It's not true. If you listen to that song, you can go into the grave. <laughs> you have to be consistent. And your loyalty has to be consistent in public. You see, real loyalty is not when the person is present. It's not when the person is present. No, 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 no. When you are with your husband and he doesn't look at any woman, it doesn't mean that he doesn't look at women. It just means that he doesn't look at them when you are there. <laughs> well, loyalty is in your absence. It's in your absence. Do you understand? Yes, yes, yes. Then you know whether your spouse is loyal in their absence. And not when you are there. No, 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 no. Oh, boys and girls are unloyal. Listen, I have grown up to realize that it's not one, one, one gender. It's gender neutral. I keep telling you people that the reason why men are more exposed is that men don't know how to cover their tracks. They need to learn it from the women. No, no, no. I, when I was a child growing up, I always thought that men were the ones who were unfaithful. Men like girls, boys... Boys, you say it again. Boys, boys like girls. But the truth is that girls also like boys. Oh, they do, they do, they do. They do, they do, they do, they do, they do, they do. They do, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see that every time they say this man has committed adultery, this man has been caught in adultery. The women also commit adultery, but they are not caught. Hi. Ah. 
Anyway, let's talk about the scripture. <laughs> yeah, I say be loyal in private, not only in public. Be loyal. What you say, what you do, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. The next important thing to help you develop that right relationship is humility and patience. The Bible says in John 12, 23 to 24, you see, when there's a gift in you, there's a potential in you, and God brings you into a place where he wants it to be nurtured, that's seed is not just going to grow by itself. The Bible says, and Jesus answered, verse 23, answered them, the time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified and exalted. I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just one grain. It never becomes more, but it still lives by itself alone. But if it dies, it produces many others and yields a rich harvest. The dying of the seed is part of the process of development. And anything that has to die before it can bear fruit cannot be done overnight. Anything that has to die has to re relegate, is that the word? Has to give up a certain level of its authority or of its control so that you have to let go. Otherwise, you cannot go through that process. There is nobody on this earth, if they can't say that today you shall die, they will say, here I am. Even if somebody were to come into the room now and say, today you shall die, nobody will listen to the message again. They're gone. Everybody will be gone. Everybody. But without allowing what needs to be done to the sea to be done, there is no way we are ever going to see that great harvest. And the, a dead seed has characteristics that are absolutely obvious. It can be stepped on, it can be kicked, it can be spat at, it can be... I've never seen a dead person, if their coffin is being tossed off by mistake, the, uh, what do you call it, the, 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 um, those carrying the uh, coffin drop it. Have you, have you ever heard a dead body say, why did you drop me? <laughs> Pick me up right... No. No. When they drop the body in the six feet, it doesn't say, you have brought me into debt and you're pouring debt on me. No. The debt is covered with debt. People come and step on it. People, no reputation. None. 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 You see, when you are so self-aware, you can never rise to a certain level. 
You need a level of ability to be embarrassed. You need a level of ability to be exposed. You need a level of ability. It, it comes with progress. It comes with those who have been mentored well have been are those who have been able to die to themselves. I have my mind also. I also have ability. Who said you didn't have your mind? You had a mind. That's why you have even chosen the church you will be in. Hmm. Jesus, I think the writings of Jesus are one of the best. Every year, try and find some time just to read the words of Jesus. Forget about the words of Paul and all these amazing people from Old Testament and New Testament. Just find time to read because Jesus' words are some of the strongest, harshest, but the most spirit-filled. Because you need grace to try and capture his word and do it. I wanted us to look at Matthew 13 for a few seconds before we go because that potential, that gift, that thing that is there, if you begin to relate well with the pastor that God has, there is no way that you would not see this manifestation. When you go home, read Matthew 13. We are not going to read it because of time and because we've already read 200 scriptures, but I want you to read the Matthew 13. 13, if possible, read all of it, please, at some point. It will be good for your soul. Tell, ask somebody, are you going to read Matthew 13? I hear it will be good for you. Yeah. You will see that there are so many seed parables in Matthew 13, and every parable has a manifestation for you. And the beauty about the parables was that Jesus shared the parable, but to those who regarded him in a certain way, he explained the parable. They had a, a, a better understanding of it. So you see that the first parable, when he was explaining it to them, you know, a lot of the time they say the parable of the sower, but I believe that it's the parable of the soil. Because the soil is the same. The seed is the same. The story is about the soil. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't different, different seeds. It wasn't a different uh, sower. It was one sower. Same kind of seed. But the soil was the issue. The soil was the issue. The soil. I'm going to read verse 19 to 23. Remember that when you go home, you are going to read all of it. We are just looking at Jesus' explanation for the seed that fell on different kinds of um, grounds. We'll start from verse 18. So to those who are his disciples, he says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not. So that's the first kind of soil. That's the first kind of Christian. So there's a kind of Christian and the state of their heart and their mind. And the state of their mind is that they don't understand. Hmm. Then comes the wicked one and catches, catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. So you see that for all of us, 
the gift is there, the potential is there, you know, the ability. Listen, everybody has the ability to succeed. Everybody has the ability to prosper. Everybody in your life spiritually, in every, everybody has the ability to prosper, but a lack of understanding may not let you prosper. May not let you prosper. Verse 20, but he that received the seed into stormy places, the same is the one that hears the word and anon with joy receives it, yet has he not any root in himself, but dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. Having no death will cause you not to prosper. It doesn't matter what covering you are under. It doesn't matter how much is poured into you. You have to have depth. Yes. And he's saying that depth will also help you not to be offended. A lot of the time we don't prosper because of offense. Just when we are about to prosper, we get offended. Yeah. Just, I mean, this relationship you are in is a good one. It will be a great marriage. Just before they come and propose, you get offended. They propose to you just before the wedding, you get offended. It is the offense that will bring you to a place where you miss your prosperity. There are people that we should have still had relationships with, but we got offended. (laughs) How many of us sometimes regret that... I didn't speak to this person and then they passed away. Or I didn't speak to this person and something bad happened to them. Or I, was, I mean, what does it feel like to be quarreling with somebody that you hear the person has died? You cry. <laughs> and then you realize how trivial whatever it is you were offended about did not matter. Sometimes it's so amazing. You find husband and wife, don't talk. The spouse dies and then they begin to organize funeral. And they're the main person crying. And people come and say, oh, we are sorry. Be consoled. And if you are there, meanwhile, you did never spoke to the person. If the husband or wife in the grave could come, you say, why, why are you crying? <laughs> why, why are you crying? <laughs> tell somebody, don't get offended. Tell somebody, don't get offended. And tell the person, go deep. You see, when you have depth, you are not easily offended. Because you can't easily be uprooted. When you have depth, they're not easily offended. Yeah. When you, are, you have depth, little things cannot move you. Ephesians says that those who are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, people can raise the dead, you will not be moved. The person can buy a brand new Mercedes, whatever, come and put there, you still not marry him because you can see that he's a fool. Because you have depth. If you don't have depth, you can't even understand why anybody says you shouldn't go for the person. Pastor, do you understand? It's a Mercedes. Do you understand? I mean, can you, can you appreciate that? Even if, he, even if he becomes a fool, he's a rich fool. <laughs> yeah. Our prosperity is in our hands. Our prosperity is ours to choose. Then he says that, he also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes 
unfruitful. Having wrong focus. Having wrong focus. The cares of this world. There would always be things that would take your heart, your mind, your talent, your effort away from that which God wants to do with you and for you. There is value in concentration. There is value in focus. There is value in being single-eyed. There is value in it. Value, value, value in it. Then there was another last soil. Let's read that last one. We're going to go home. But he that received the seed in the good one, is he that hears the word, understands it, which also beareth fruit and brings forth a hundred, sixty, and thirty. Amen. Tell somebody I'm good soil. Tell somebody I have understanding. Tell somebody I'm going deeper. Tell somebody I'm focused on the right things. When you go through Matthew 13, you come to realize that there was the parable of the wheat and the tares, and um, Jesus explained it and then described it as the Lord and the believers and unbelievers. So the believers are there and unbelievers coming. But when you bring it to our level, you also realize that if you are the land and things are being sown on that land, who are those sowing wheat on your land and who are those sowing tares on your land? What are you allowing to be sown on your land? And what are you yourself sowing? You should think about it. That what am I sowing into my life? Do I sow prayer into my life? Do I sow the word of God? Do I sow kindness into my What are you sowing? And what other things am I also sowing? Am I sowing frustration into my life? Am I sowing stress into my life? Am I sowing distraction into my life? What am I sowing into my, What am I allowing others to sow? Because a lot of the time we resist those who are sowing good things into our life. When you have a pastor who insists on certain things, who will correct certain things, who will ensure that you go through, they are sowing good things into that soil. But it is easier to be around places or people where they are sowing things that you don't need any effort in it. They are not going to take a whole lot of water, a whole lot of, they are just going to go there. Do you know that there's uh, this kind of wheat and thing? They don't need much to grow. They grow out of anything. Put rock there, they'll just grow in between the rocks right now. But anything that will cause you to prosper will require effort. Yes, will require some sweat will require it. And sometimes you can't tell. But if you leave it for a little while, the Lord said, just let them grow. You will see which one is wheat and which one is dead. Because sometimes what you thought was not good for you, grew up to realize it was, that was what was good for you. And what you thought was not good for you, or what you thought was good for you, that was what was not good for you at all. At all. I tell parents all the time, this, oh, if you don't want to learn, it's okay. This, right? If you want to, don't, you are sowing tests into your child's life. 